Hey there, it's Monday, February 14th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every day. Don't forget that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, it's Monday, the beginning of the week. We were going to be talking about a Caleb Love shooting slump, but that thing is dead and gone, so we're going to try to figure out a different way to look at it. We're going to talk about the NCAA's quadrant system, try to help us all figure it out. But first, we got to talk about what happened inside the Smith Center on Saturday afternoon. Much happier vibes this Monday than last Monday. It was another 20-point game, but this time the Tar Heels came out on top, 94-74 over Florida State. Man, what a game. Uh, Florida State comes in injury-riddled, leaves even more injured. Leading scorer Caleb Mills went out early in the game. Good thing for him, frankly, Leaky Black was already putting the lockdown on him. There was an air ball. It was a crazy thing. Uh, no Tar Heel made it to 20 points. That's only the fourth time that's happened this year, but uh, some great balanced scoring. Four different Tar Heels have had between 16 and 18 points. Brady Manick and R.J. Davis each had 16. Armando Baycott had 17. And Caleb Love had a game high for the Tar Heels with 18 points. For Armando Baycott, yet another double-double. 17 points, 14 rebounds, the 19th double-double of the season for him, the 37th of his Tar Heel career. Uh, we're going to talk more about the absurd things that Baycott is doing on tomorrow's show, so we won't dwell on that, but my goodness, he is doing work down low. In this game, Carolina got off to an 18-0 start and just never really looked back. The lead ballooned to as large as 40 points, yes, 4-0 early in the second half, uh, before ultimately falling to the final 20-point margin. I, I gotta tell you, for me, never before has a 20-point blowout felt so incapable of representing just how ridiculously dominant UNC was throughout the majority of the game. It just came easily. The offense was clicking. The defense was stopping Florida State, and it was a good look. Now, I know there's an argument to be made, and a lot of people have made this argument to me over the weekend that getting the lead cut in half from 40 back down to the final 20 and and being outscored by 18 points, 50 to 32 in the second half is not good. And you know what? It's not. But come on. These are college students. They're 18 to 22 years old. Yes, they're fierce competitors. But you get up by 40 in a basketball game and try to tell me that you're going to be just as dialed in as you were at the beginning. I'm, I'm standing. I'm literally standing up where I'm recording with my hand up in the air saying I would not be as dialed in. And besides, Obviously, we know there, there's different personnel on the court. Carolina's trying different things. Florida State's trying different things. Y you just can't compare what's happening in the second half to what, what happened in the first half. So please, let's not run off on those, oh, Carolina doesn't know how to put a team away tangents. No. Uh, this What happened in the second half is an absolute function of the dominance of the first half. Speaking of that, let me just hit you with some of the absurdity of the first half. 
The Tar Heels shot 74.2% from the field. That's They made 23 of 31 shot attempts, and they had an even higher percentage from three. Carolina made nine of their 12 threes, 75%. Caleb Love was just on fire. We'll get to him in a moment. The 62 points Carolina scored, that's the most in any half for the Tar Heels since dropping anybody. Any guesses? 63 in the first half against Elon back on November 9th of 2018. So it's been a minute. The 38-point halftime lead, you might have heard some of these stats, but it's the largest ever against an ACC opponent in the Smith Center, and that's 295 ACC games in the Smith Center. My goodness. Probably the most uh, ridiculous thing that happened was Florida State's first point didn't come until the six minutes and 57 seconds into the game, and that was just one free throw. That's that's almost more embarrassing. You'd rather still be stuck on zero than have one point in seven minutes into a basketball game. And then they didn't make an actual basket, an actual field goal, until the 828 mark of the first half. And so just just all sorts of offensive struggles for Florida State. But let's let's not just pin that on being injury depleted. Carolina was playing solid defense. They were getting after it. The first half was insane. This was a solid bench game. One of the things that Carolina has struggled with some is having to rely so heavily on on the five starters of Love, Davis, Leaky Black, Brady Manick, and Armando Baycott, but we saw some nice things from the likes of Kerwin Walton, who hit a couple threes, drove to the basket, even got an and one out of it. Puff Johnson came in, did a lot of the high-energy things he has been doing. He drew a charge, uh, hit a three, had a nice steal on the baseline. But the the, the bench player I want to highlight is Dontrez Style, excuse me, who had what I would probably call the breakout game of his young career. Had a, had a career high for his Carolina uh, playing time with eight points, four rebounds. And let me tell you, it, that doesn't sound like much, but they were, they were flashy. Clearly, Carolina is at a different level of athleticism when Dontrez Styles is on the court. There's just there's a fact, an it factor he brings that I don't necessarily get from the rest of the team when he's not on the court. Now, obviously, it takes time for a freshman to learn the system and work his way in, and, and as Coach Davis has said, everyone's going to get their opportunities, and they need to be ready when they come. But that's twice now in, in the last little bit that Dontre's style has seen first-half minutes, and, and you really have to wonder if he has found some good favor in Coach Davis's eyes and will be uh, really factoring into the rotation all the more down the stretch, especially now that uh, there's finality with uh, Dawson Garcia, knowing that he will not be back this season. The backcourt really passed their test against FSU. Uh, so often, uh, backcourts are uh, have some struggles with FSU's length, um, but uh, Davis and, and Love passed with flying colors. The sophomore duo combined for 34 points. They shot 13 of 25 from the floor, including 8 of 14 from 3. Combined seven rebounds, 11 assists, three steals, three blocks, and there were those five turnovers, four of which uh, belonged to Mr. Caleb Love. And so I want to focus just a little bit specifically on R.J. Davis, who just continues to grow as a floor leader. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him, and I imagine you are as well. Against Florida State, five assists, one turnover. 
against Clemson earlier in the week on Tuesday. Six assists, no turnovers. And over the last five games, if you look back, uh, he's got 22 assists against just five of those turnovers. That's a tr- assist-to-turnover ratio of 4.4 for Mr. R.J. Davis. And so you really hope that he is finding his way into doing uh, more of that, becoming uh, more of a balanced uh, floor general while also finding his scoring where he needs it. And so moving forward, keep in mind here, I, I know the Duke game was a devastating loss as, as it is, but ultimately it is just one game. And over Carolina has won six of their last seven. Remember, they had won four leading into that and have now won their last two. So the Tar Heels have won six of seven. They're looking good. And and another thing, I'd, I'd like to thank Florida State for switching to that 2-3 zone in the second half because uh, ain't nothing like getting a little bit of some reps against a zone before facing Syracuse in a couple weeks. Thank you so much for that. Well, we talked about the backcourt, and Caleb Love did break out of a shooting slump against FSU in a major way. We're going to discuss shooting slumps in general in just a moment, but first let me tell you more about Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, and boy, oh boy, what a game that was on Sunday night. Man, Cooper Cup, what a season that dude has had. But anyway, here we go. Basketball is a full go, even though football is over. The NBA All-Star Game is this coming Sunday. Selection Sunday is just four weeks away. How is that real? Um, From all the latest odds and totals and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, as well as all the latest Olympic coverage. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every day. Just another reminder for you that the entire Locked on family of shows is free and available wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Well, something I want to start inserting after every game is what I'll call the shady stat of the game. Remember, my last name is Shade, and so we got to have fun with that, right? Uh, So this is the first ever Shady Stats Corner. Feels like a perfect ad opportunity for a sunglasses company or something. You know, if if you're out there and you run a a sunglass hut franchise in a mall or something, hit me up and let's do this. But the Shady Stat of the game is this. Carolina had a season-high 22 assists on Saturday. And many have said this team is at their best when Caleb Love is scoring, and that's not wrong. But I would say that this team is at their very, very tip-top best when Love is not only scoring, but also sharing. We saw him win a game against Clemson the other night and came out. uh, He had another nice drop-off to Brady Manick on Saturday against Florida State. And so when, when the whole team is scoring and the whole team is sharing, things are at their peak. So stat of the game, season high, 22 assists. What's, what's awesome is we're seeing that become a big trend. Carolina has assisted on at least 50% of their field goals in five straight games, the longest such streak this season. And the great thing about the way Carolina is sharing is that it's not just one player. 
Against Florida State, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Leaky Black had at least five assists. That's three different Tar Heels with at least five assists in one game. To find the last time that happened, you would have to go all the way back to March 9th of 2018 when Carolina beat Duke in the ACC semifinals 74 to 69. So that's your first ever shady stat of the game, season high 22 assists for Carolina. Well, on Friday's show, if you remember, if you didn't listen, go back and listen. You can hear me say it. I said that we would talk about Caleb Love's shooting slump unless he decided to set the world on fire, I believe was my verbatim quote against Florida State. Well, uh, let's just say that it smells a little like smoke coming out of Saturday because Mr. Caleb Love did just that, set the world on fire. Let me give you some numbers of where he was at before that game. Prior to Saturday's shooting, Caleb Love, uh, who had, again, 18 points on 6 of 12 shooting, 6 of 8 from 3, that's insane. He had been mired in this extended shooting slump over the last eight games, shooting 27.2%. That's 31 of 114 on shooting. Oddly, though, his free throws hadn't suffered. In that same stretch, that same eight-game stretch, he had made 30 of 36 free throws. That's 83.3%. This season, in fact, he's sixth in the ACC in free throws, but has the most attempts of that top six. So there there is no issue from the stripe. There's something that's going on in the flow of the game, and that's what we need to figure out. Now, interesting, not only is Caleb Love shooting better from the free throw line, which makes sense when you think when you think about just being able to stop and put it in, but he's also shooting a better field goal percentage from three than from inside the arc in that eight-game stretch. From three, he's shooting 31.9%. From two, he's shooting 23.9%. And so for any of us out there who have been an athlete, you know what it's like to go through one of these stretches, a period of continuing to do the same thing. You're, you're, thinking through all your fundamentals, everything seems right, you're watching video, it all looks good, but it's just not yielding the same expected results. I struggled with this as a baseball player. Um, I I went through a season where I had the yips, and I literally couldn't throw it from the outfield to second base. I would throw the ball straight into the ground, and I would watch video, and everything was normal and right, and it's so frustrating. So I, I, I get what it's like to go through a rut like this. And so there is this big mental component to it that you just start to get it in your head of, of well, maybe I am doing something wrong. And you start to try to shift this or, or tweak that little thing instead of just relying on what you've always done to, uh, to make it work and do the thing that you are trying to do athletically. Now, because of what Love did on Saturday against Florida State, what I want to do here is not dwell on the slump that he had had. Because frankly, every player is going to have one, and even Caleb Love himself will have one again. But rather, what I want to do is explore a little bit of a different aspect. I want to know what it's like to have one of the greatest three-point shooters in NBA history as your head coach, and the one to help you get out of your slump. What does Coach Hubert Davis tell you when you're in a slump? What did Coach Hubert Davis tell himself when he was in a slump? Because even as one of the greatest hitter, uh, greatest shooters excuse me, in history, inevitably the slumps come. So last week when uh, Coach Davis addressed uh, the ACC media, he talked directly about this 
And so what I want to do is insert some audio here as he spoke specifically about conversations he had had with Caleb. We actually talked yesterday. One of the things that, you know, we look at when when shots aren't going in is number one, you know, is there anything mechanically, you know, um, that needs to be fixed? And I don't feel like that, you know, from a mechanical standpoint, anything needs to be fixed. And then the, then the other thing I said, you know, let's look at shot selection, you know, um, it doesn't matter how good a shooter you are. If you're taking tough shots, your percentages are going to go down and just trying to get to the free throw line, you know, you know, get to the basket and then be able to work inside as opposed to uh, working outside in. I love these uh, points from Coach Davis there. First, let's start. Just make sure that the mechanics are in line. Great. There are. Everything looks good. Then let's also make sure you're taking the right shots. Because we've seen Caleb Love do that a good bit, that he'll, he'll press and, and take the weight of the world on his shoulders. Again, I, I've, I've said this, and I'll keep saying it. I don't think that Caleb Love is a selfish player. I don't think he's a ball hog. I just think he feels this need that I have to do it. I have to be the one to take on this burden. And so what Coach Davis is trying to do is to get him to take the right shots and find the moments when he shouldn't shoot and, and dish off to his teammates and get really work at getting to the basket. We've seen Caleb, as so many guards do, start to settle and rely on the outside shot, but let's work from the inside out. So much of what Coach told Caleb in those conversations, he later went on to say were some of the exact same things he looked at in his own checklist when he was in a shooting slump was, are my mechanics in line? Am I taking the right shots? But then Coach also went on to say another part of his checklist that was more about the mental side of shooting, and I'd love for you to get to the opportunity to hear some of that as well. And then the other thing is, and, and talk about, you know, a CL from the mental standpoint, I, I would take my mind off of shooting. I think when you're just thinking about, I got to make shots, I got to make shots, you, you end up continuing to miss shots. And also, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, in, in order to get out of a quote unquote, not shooting slump, but you're not shooting the percentages that you normally shoot, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. No, I, I don't, I don't believe that. I think you need to keep shooting good shots. I don't think you need to keep shooting. And one of the things that I always tell, and I told Caleb and, and I tell others is a great way is, you know, to attack the basket and get to the free throw line for whatever reason, you see the ball go in, it just loosens you up a little bit and then allows you to feel more comfortable to shoot the ball from the outside. Take your mind off the shot and focus on the process. Coach didn't use that exact last phrase, but I'm going to put those words in his mouth and I think he would say that. Stop thinking about the end result and think about the things that you have to do to get you there. And isn't that so true of whether it's shooting or something we're doing in our own life or other sports or whatever it may be? When we, when we trust in a process we know has worked over and over and over again, then we need to continue to rely on that to succeed because it has done so in the past and it will do so again. But our brains try to trick us into like, oh, this isn't going to work anymore. It's not working and it, and it hasn't. But everything has to return to the law of averages at some point. If you are a career 35-point shooter from three and you're mired in a 20-point shooting slump, well, you got to imagine you're about to go through a spurt of shooting about 50% for a while. So just keep leaning in. It's all about the process. And what I think is so cool about Coach Davis is that 
he believes that not just about the breaking out of the shooting slump for Caleb or another player, but he believes that as a head coach and in terms of team results, of wins and losses, that if his team will trust the process, they are going to get there. And I believe in Coach Davis, and I think these players are starting to come around to it too. You've heard all this talk about people buying into their roles and knowing what they're doing. And that's going to help Carolina keep piling up wins. And they need to do that because around this time in the, in the last several college basketball seasons, you've begun to hear the word quad thrown around a lot. Quad one win, quad three loss, all of those things. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. I'm totally down with that. These are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 200 to 300 calories, but most Built Bars have just 130 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's Built.com. Well, the last several college basketball seasons, around this time, you start hearing this word quad. Quad one win, quad two loss. How does my win become a quad two to turn into a quad one? All this stuff. What is quad? What does it mean? Should I care about it? Does it matter to me? Well, because it keeps rising to prominence and because we're in that part of the college basketball season where it's talked about a lot more, I've been getting a lot of questions about it. So what I wanted to do with our last segment today is unpack the NCAA's quad system since it's going to be important for us all in understanding how the selection committee will go about evaluating the Tar Heels and all the other teams, frankly, come Selection Sunday. So here's the basics. To understand quads, we must first start with understanding the NET rankings. The NET rankings stands for NET is an acronym that stands for NCAA Evaluation Tool. And so the NET rankings are in their fourth season. They replaced the RPI ahead of the 2018-19 season. The net rankings are the primary sorting tool for the NCAA and for the selection committee to be able to evaluate teams. It's formulated by two separate components. There's a data-driven component and then a results-driven component. So more like what the numbers are saying and more what wins and losses against quality opponents are saying. And these net rankings update daily all the teams in NCAA Division I. So how is this net ranking system used? Well, since it is a sorting tool, what it does is it helps build a team's resume for the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. Basically, what happens is this. Each game you play, literally every game against a, against a Division I opponent, is categorized into one of four quadrants based on an opponent's ranking and the location of the game, whether it's home, away, or neutral. So, for example, let's say you're playing a team ranked 75th. Well, and you're playing them 
on the road. And so if you're playing a team ranked 75th in the nation on the road, that would count as a quad one game. And so here's how you determine that. Each, each quadrant has a, uh, a rankings uh, continuum based on whether you're playing at home, on the road, or at a neutral site. So a quad one game would be at home against a, an opponent ranked 1 through 30 in the net, on the road against an opponent ranked 1 through 75, or on a neutral court against a team ranked 1 through 50. So quad 2 would be 31 through 75 at home, 51 through 100 neutral site, and 76 through 135 away. Quad 3 would be 76 through 160 at home, 101 through 200 on a neutral site, and 135 through 240 at an away game. Quad 4, the lowest quad, the one that's not so great, is a one a team ranked 161st through 353 at home, 201 to 353 on a neutral site and 241 to 353 away from home. If you had trouble keeping track of that, I will just add a chart with all those numbers in the show description for you so you can look at that and see. So basically, if you're playing an opponent, you look at where they're ranked in the net rankings and then which variation they fall to. I'm playing the team ranked 132nd on a neutral site. And so you check, do, 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 do. okay, that's a quad three game. So the thing is, what you really want to do is not lose any games ever, ideally, but the quad one losses, since they are against higher level teams, uh, you're given more grace for those and expected to lose more of those. Whereas on the other hand, if you lose a quad three or a quad four game, that is infinitely more damaging. And so here's the thing with this rankings, the net rankings update every day. So the quality of game or the quadrant the game falls into is not ultimately based on where the team ranks on the day you play them, but it can change literally every day up until the final decisions are made on Selection Sunday. So here's an example of how it can move around. Carolina in the ACC Big Ten Challenge played and beat Michigan at home. Well, Michigan, who was expected to be a top 10 team this season, has struggled, though. And so for the majority of the college basketball season, that has been a quad two victory. However, Michigan has been playing a lot better of late and even beat Purdue last week, who was number three in the nation. So the next day, Michigan moved up to 30 in the net rankings. Well, if you remember, a home win against a team one through 30 so Michigan was right there on that cut point, is a quad one victory. So that day, it changed to quad one. However, on Saturday, Michigan lost to Ohio State, and then on Sunday, they dropped back down to 35th, which turns back into a quad two game, giving Carolina a quad two win. So what does all this mean for Carolina? Where are they at? What is their standing? Well, uh, the Monday uh, refresh hasn't come out yet, so currently Carolina is 37th in the net rankings. They're undefeated in quads two through four, 18 and 0. But if you know Carolina's record, you know that that is every one of their wins, meaning that Carolina is currently 0 and 7 in quad one. So they don't have any bad losses, but the Tar Heels also don't have any major wins in the eyes of the committee. And the reason that's a problem is that in the first three years of the net being used as this system, 
the NCAA tournament committee has not put anyone into the field that has zero quad one wins. But also that is a small sample size because it's only happened three times. And also keep in mind that one of those years there was no tournament. And so what this also means is that as the net rankings are now, and because of the weakness of the ACC, Carolina only has two more chances at a quad one win. That's at Virginia Tech and at Duke. Now, there are other opportunities. Obviously, a game that is currently a quad two might bump up to a quad one win if the team is playing well. And also, ACC tournament games count in, in the quad system. And so if Carolina plays a quad one opponent that's on a neutral site, keep that in mind, in the ACC tournament, then that will count towards that as well. The problem, the fatal flaw, though, with the net rankings is that the cutoffs aren't they're not created arbitrarily, but anytime you have a group of numbers, any cutoff is arbitrary, especially when you apply it to large data sets and what these are. And so currently, a loss to Kentucky any on any court, they're third in the net, is a Q1 loss. But so is a loss at South Dakota State, who's 74th right now. So right now, a loss to Kentucky is the same as a loss to South Dakota State. Those games aren't the same. We know that on paper. South Dakota State would get run by Kentucky. But in the quad system, they're created equally. Although, you know, if, if you beat South Dakota State, that's also a Q1 win. So that that's nice. And thankfully, the selection committee, it's not like they don't look at who those quad one wins and losses are. But here's my question. Why the need for quads at all? The computers are smart enough and have enough capacity to let every team stand alone without having to be boxed into quads. That allows each result to rest on its own merit, right? Like, could every team not just be ranked and it's like, well, you beat the teams that are first, third, and 96th. That's absolutely a possibility that the NCAA should get to. Don't rely on It's so much bigger than just four big groups, uh, four big seas for fish to swim in. Let's look at every fish individually. Here's the deal, though. Ultimately, this quad talk only matters in terms of thinking about seeding or trying to make the tournament. So you want to know how you mitigate this quad conversation? You go out and win your freaking basketball games. That's how. Seriously, win every game you play and the committee can't keep you out. So that's what Carolina is going to be attempting to do starting on Wednesday when the Pittsburgh Panthers come to town. Let's get a W. Well, that's it for this edition of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Starting next week, you're also going to be able to watch the show on YouTube. I'm super excited to start that journey, and I hope you will join me. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels and follow me at Isaac Shade. And if you like what you're hearing, please, 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 please go tell a friend and invite them in. Tomorrow, as I said earlier, we're going to talk about the crazy season Armando Baycat, Baycott is having. And uh, we're going to take a little look around what's going on in the ACC this week. And that'll be great. So thank you so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every day. And now let me encourage you to make Locked on Bets your second listen. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Have a great day. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!